My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Yeah! I'm so excited because I didn't know what today's episode is about. My although favorite she, way to do this. Yeah, she told me, but I don't know the subject material, so I'm like so excited. I'm excited. I kind of have a hint because of the movie that we watched. Yes. But I know my stitch has nothing to do with anything. That's okay. But that's okay. No, so I I'm off that. theme. But no, no, anyway. no. Don't worry about it. Yay. No, I like it when it's a surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise. And you're going to love this. And I wanted to do this justice. And it took so much time and effort to research it. Oh, I can't wait for and story I'm time. I'm going then. to give it all. But yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, good, 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 yeah. good, good. I'm surprised you haven't heard of this. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm in the dark on a lot of things, good. though. <laughs> that's okay. That's why I get to bring you to the light. Yay. Yeah. So Nicole, what yes. has you in stitches this week? Uh, you know, I totally forgot. So we did theaters last week, right? Yes. Okay. So totally forgot to mention. I, I put the the movie that we're, we reviewed, right, this yeah. week. And, and my husband's like, look, 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 look at this. I'm like, what is it? What is it? It's like, there's my name. <gasps> and like, okay. And, and scroll up, scroll up. So I scrolled up and it's Crimson Peak. Ah! So my hubs worked on the movie at some yes, point. He and did. I thought that was so cool. And I forgot to mention that because he did kind of hint that at one point. I totally forgot. So oh, uh, that made me happy. Way to go. He's so good. Yes. Like I, uh, he's so good at what he does. He's really good. He, he gets more credit than you know, he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. Yeah. But yeah. No, anytime I, I watch a show that I know that he's worked on that you've told me he's worked. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I get so excited. And I very much he works in sound. I very much pay attention to the sound of those episodes. I'm it like, kind of ruins going on? What's it a little on? bit, though, when we watch movies, because, you know, you're listening he talks for certain... over the movies and he goes, oh, that's ADR. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's really bad ADR. Oh. Oh, and he just talks the whole time. Sometimes he ruins it. Not all the time. Not all the time. Oh, but. he must hate my work then because like, I'm no. not very good at what I do. No, not at all. No, he, you know, what's funny is I don't know. Your husband's different. My yeah. husband doesn't want to listen to the podcast. <gasps> really? Because it's like my voice. I get it though. Cause I, I'm the same way with him. Like, I don't want to always have to listen. He's I'm like, I just, I hear your voice and, and it's just weird. I'm like, okay, sure. whatever. <laughs> That's so funny. Whatever. It's cool. But he supports me. He just doesn't like he, he get it he supports you but in his own in way, his own way he yes. doesn't want to listen yeah. to you <laughs> he gets enough of you at home no, I'm just that's kidding. what it is I bet that's what it is so it's okay Matt, you should give us a listen I understand I totally get it but my yeah. hubs listens it makes me happy yeah like, opposite yeah. yeah but that's okay no but no, I, okay. I don't feel like I'm not supported okay it's just good I understand I totally understand him uh -huh. I, I hate listening to myself sometimes, so <laughs> I understand, so it's cool, but yeah. So yeah, okay. he worked on Crimson Peak, Yay! and that was such a fun movie that we got to watch. Shout out to Matt, yeah, 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 yeah. So what got you in stitches? I've been, I don't know, I, I'm so tired of this weather. <laughs> it's I hope weird. it's done, but oh my gosh. California. My, it's so weird for California, all these 
atmospheric rivers. That's what they're called, right? Where yeah. the rain just comes in and uh, it, we're so waterlogged. We've never had this wet of a winter and now it's spring. And it's and, so it's still winter. It was, yeah. it was frosty this morning. My really? alpacas were all frosted no. over this morning. There was frost everywhere, no. all over the place on the farm. No, that's not cool. Yeah, it was in the 30s. I had, it took me five minutes to get my car warmed up before I was oh. able to go. <laughs> You know, I, I kept telling my coworkers yesterday, why didn't this winter happen during COVID? Right? Because this then we would have all COVID been winter. inside. Yeah. We would have been happy. We wouldn't have to go anywhere because we're not supposed to. Yeah. And it's raining <laughs> like crazy. I'm like, yeah, that would have been great. But no, it happened now. Yeah. We're all expecting to be outside. And it's yeah, spring break yeah. for most people. And Yeah. And this is the most, you know, I have a farm now. So being outside is something that You're happens all the outside. time. And yeah. this weather, I'm like, what is going on? I can't know. Are your chickens okay? Yeah, the chickens are great. They're, oh, they're loving it. They don't it. care. They don't care if They're it rains usually yeah if it rains they they have their places of shelter to go to and we have a lot mm -hmm. of trees so they like bury themselves in the trees oh good uh, or they go inside their coop or you know they they have places that they hide and they're, they're cool they're totally unbothered by the it. alpaca the alpaca will go into their shelter if they're too annoyed by the rain <laughs> annoyed but yeah they get annoyed <laughs> by it but then they get annoyed being together in a, in a small <laughs> space in the shelter so space. then yeah so then one will just wander out they're like whatever i'm just gonna go get wet and it's <laughs> fine <Aww. laughs> i'd rather be in the rain and they're so funny and then it their enclosure or their paddock mm -hmm. gets uh, pretty muddy oh, because it's, no. it's yeah. sandy, yeah. you know. And so it gets pretty muddy. And then it's like walking through peanut butter when you go in there to try to like clean clean anything out or, or change their sure. food. And the alpaca poop. Uh, and, and the alpaca poop. Sometimes it piles up poop. because, mm. you know, I can't get out there because of the rain. Yeah. Poor alpaca. Not fun. Well, they're, I they're mean, okay. They're though. good. They're happy. They're, they're out animals. in the sunshine right now basking in it. They love it. It's cold, but sunny, at least. Cold, but sunny. Yes. And I'm trying to grow things, which I've and never done. Going? I have one of the seeds that I planted that is growing. Woo, Huzzah! One! Yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> I planted like one. 50, but I have one that's growing. That's why you so. got to plant 50. Oh, just my goodness. I don't, I don't know. So I got to I gotta get out and figure that out. And then battling all the weeds that are popping up everywhere. So of rain. Because of the rain. So fun farm life. But I'm so done with the rain. I'm so done with my son's baseball being canceled oh, and now no, we have that's like right. yeah we Aww. have so many makeup games to go to now it's so. gonna go until uh, overtime oh overtime. my so goodness he's gonna, gonna have like three or four games a week sometimes plus oh. practices and so it's just <laughs> You're going he's to gonna love busy. it oh my gosh so much time at the baseball field but he loves it so that's, that's good, good. And, um, at least i'm not dragging yeah, into something that he that's hates true i hate mm -hmm. that i really yeah. hate that so good i'm glad he's still enjoying it he's still enjoying it good. so i'm over the rain oh, sorry let's go back to southern california weather no, and get see, some sunshine going i'm, I'm kind of hesitant because <laughs> it just gets so hot oh, like it yeah. goes from cold to hot and i don't want that i want like 70s yeah. i want nice spring nice not spring. summer of 100 degrees <laughs> <sighs> i am ready for 70s let's just do that How okay that? can we compromise? i like the 70s okay it's good decade <laughs> <laughs> it's a great decade for you that's when i was born yay <laughs> Well, let's, I, I have a lot to talk about. Okay. So should we get to it then? So should we get stitching? Yeah, I can't I'm wait excited. to show you the stitch because I kept this a surprise too. I Yay! guess that's the theme. The theme surprise. is surprise. 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 Okay. So let's get stitching. Yes. 
okay, stitchers. So for today's stitch, since I didn't know what our story time was, I'm like, I'm just going to go rogue Perfect. and go off theme. Good. Look how stinking cute that oh is. Oh my what is it, Nicole? What did I give you? What is it? It's so cute. It's a little tea bag. I'm in your roomy tea bag. It and it's got the cutest <laughs> smile and the biggest eyes. I love it when the eyes are big. Yes, yes. And it's got a little tag. It on. does have a little tag on it. Isn't that cute? <laughs> oh. I had to hide this from my youngest because she definitely she would steal it. Oh my it. gosh. I would have stolen this. So this fast. Is adorable. That's for you. I didn't even know you could do this. This is so cute. Isn't that cute? Oh. So what I just gave Nicole, let me tell you guys, oh, I'm walking through adorable. it. adorable. So I found this idea uh, when I was scrolling through YouTube and I found this um, video that is 15 free stash busting crochet ideas <laughs> stash or crochet. Busting. Yeah. Sta <laughs> so if you have a ton of yarn, that's like a bunch of scraps because this oh, is a small project. I see that. I always throw it away. I have so much. In yeah, no, no, no. Save your scraps. You can make a bunch I of these tea bags. I love it. Because these take like 10 minutes. They're so fast. It's adorable. They're so fast. And it's a bookmark, guys. This is so cute. Oh. So this idea came Dying. from Le Petite Saint Crochet. So she has 15 stash busting, busting crochet projects. Oh. That video is so cute. I want cheeks. to make everything really? that she listed okay, on it. Send, it's well, so cute. Send me the we'll link, link anyway, it. Yeah, so. we'll link it. Yeah. And so this was one of her ideas. And this is from the Cozy <laughs> Chipmunk. The Cozy Chipmunk. I'm uh -huh. going to show Nicole. Look. So there's a oh. bunch of different ones. So I tried to make you a green tea, although that's the wrong color for green know, tea. It's but so cute. It's cute. I it's like it. it's kind of a green Earl Grey yes, tea there you mix. Go. It's a mix. <laughs> it's, it's a combo. It's good. But if you go to the cozychipmunk.com and you can look up little tea bag, okay. L I L tea bag, little tea bag. And it's this cute little free pattern that it just takes you how to make these little tea bags. They're amigurumi. They are so simple. It looks very so easy because they're small. Easy. And they're so small. And it takes literally like 10 minutes. Look, and you can make a little cup with oh, it. Oh, I make those too. So I that's know perfect. you do. That's Isn't that great. cute? So I, that's it for stitch time. I, it's super I, quick. That's so easy, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, you guys, this is the, I want to make a million of these. This is a really good idea because I keep thinking of things like if you want to make a bunch for like, you know, like a classroom or teachers. Uh -huh. Like, uh -huh. For perfect. teachers, it's a perfect little teacher gift. Or, or coworkers. Just, or coworker. Or, it's a bookmark. Yeah. So you can make, so the, the, string for the tea bag is the bookmark yeah, obviously yeah. and so you, you can make that as long there. as you want you put it in the book oh, and yeah I love it. it's super fun super cute super this easy is this mine that's yours that's for you <gasps> yay! yay you always give me presents i need to give you stuff <laughs> you make them at things yes Thank if you, you guys want a little tea bag you guys can become a patron we'll send you stuff we probably will be sending one of these <laughs> yeah they're so cute guys i can't wait to show you on our if you hop over to any socials. of our socials, yeah. you'll get to see a picture of him. He's so cute. Mm -hmm. Yay. Well, thank you, Angela. You're welcome. I so the cozychipmunk.com. Cozy chipmunk. Little tea bag. Make one or 20 for your closest friends. Yes. They okay. take no time to make. They're super fun and super cute and they're super really easy. They're really cute. And they're like little, you can make little, these are stocking stuffers. Yeah. I love it. You can do all kinds I'm of things. So they're excited. so cute. <laughs> like a million of them. So that's it. Okay. Are we ready for story time? I'm totally ready for story time. Uh, okay. Story time.
mentioned, this story today is crazy. It's true. You can believe them or not. Okay. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm going to lay it all out for you, but you tell me at the end what you think, okay? Okay. Do I have my skeptic pants on or you my can. believer pants on? I, yeah, exactly. You got to just decide what to believe, but I'm going to give you all the details. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So we are going to discuss the most influential in terms of science fiction and first well-documented UFO encounter in the <gasps> United States. Ooh, it's aliens. It's aliens. <laughs> this is the case of Betty and Barney Hill. Or if you want to believe, refer to the Zeta Reticuli incident. And I'll go into detail about that. Okay. Okay. The year is 1961. Okay. And we are in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We are with interracial couple Barney and Betty Hill. And I'm going to show Angela lots of photos. I will post as many as I can on socials too. But we're going to do a little historical background on both of them before we continue. Okay. Okay. Eunice Betty Barrett was born in Kingston, New Hampshire in 1919. Her lineage is said to be traced at least a century of relatives living in New Hampshire. So they're pretty oh, okay. well, well established. Yeah. <laughs> she had a very normal upbringing and graduated from the University of New Hampshire, then went on to become a social worker and child advocate. She was married, but then divorced, and she did have two adopted children before meeting Barney. Barney Hill was born in Newport News, Virginia in 1923. Barney joined the U.S. Army, served in World War II, when he returned, he became a postal worker in Philadelphia. He was also married and he had his own two children. But years later, Barney met Betty on a trip visiting New Hampshire after separating from his wife. They fell in love and Barney was able to move to a post office position in New Hampshire. Later, he had taken a post office job in Boston, so he would drive over an hour there and back when he had to go to work, but he was totally fine with it. Aw, okay. so how much he loved her. Yay. Yeah. Both Betty and Barney were active in their local Unitarian congregation, and both were also members of the NAACP. Barney sat on a local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, and Betty's job had her seeing roughly over 100 clients, so to say they were busy is an understatement. Right, but they seem like like a very like wholesome, well-meaning, great, wholesome, yes, great, smart, yeah. 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 Very, very reliable. Everybody knew them. They were, they were great people. AKA not crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And as for the character, as you can see how busy and righteous they are, Betty is described as strong-willed and Barty intelligent as he is known to have an IQ of around 140. Oh, wow. Okay. So very intelligent very people. Very intelligent. Very, yep. Lots of photos. See? Yep. So. All American. Yep. Great. Like you know good stand-up couple yeah they yeah. wanted they you know they wanted to support the community very into civil rights movement very good couple yes okay. they were such a busy and engaging couple that it took roughly a year for the hills to finally get away to take a short spontaneous honeymoon <laughs> they decide to take a weekend trip to montreal and it's so spur of the moment they didn't even have time to get to a bank to pull out cash and by the way i'm very thankful for debit cards venmo and everything in between oh right? my gosh right yes <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like, I forgot how you had to go to a bank all the time or had checks, even checks. Yeah. Checks Travelers checks. Yeah. Go to the bank. Pull it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I remember that very yeah. well. I used when I first started, you know, becoming financially independent. Right. I was always going to the bank to deposit my paychecks. Yes. Because we didn't have to like reorder checks all the time. I yeah. hated writing checks, but that's how we paid for everything. Paid for checks. I didn't have a credit card for the longest yeah. time because I was scared of credit cards. Good for you. So I didn't. I didn't want one because I was like, yeah. I don't want to be in debt. I yeah. just want to know whatever money I have. That's how much money I have. That's how much money I'm going to spend. I didn't have a credit card until. Oh my gosh! I think I was probably close to thirty. Was when I got my first credit card. I just I would use Get a debit it. card. Yeah. But I, yeah. Smart. That was not me. <laughs> well, that was the opposite. No, I was just terrified. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I was terrified That's of credit really cards. Really good. Yep. And it, and I I think I with my first credit card I would pay it off really quick. So as soon as I the way put anything it. money yeah. like every at the end of every month it was paid off. There mm -hmm. wasn't anything. Yeah, I always paid it off. Well, good for you. Yep. I don't know how I think my dad put that fear in my brain, yeah. like never be in debt. So yeah. You good upbringing. I'm the opposite. My parents were <laughs> <laughs> not that great. I'm better now, but man, that was tough. So when they did take their trip, they only had $70 in their pocket by the time they left. Saturday, September 16th, they pack everything. Betty packs a pistol just in case oh of my an goodness. emergency. <laughs> well, because they didn't want to, in case, because this is a spontaneous trip, maybe they get have to pull over at some point to just like relax or something. Uh-huh. Just in case. Okay. They have a pistol. All right. All right. Oh, <laughs> Always with the gun and the alien encounters. I'm just saying. You never know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, and don't forget, they have a pup named Delcy the Dachshund. Delcy the Dachshund. Delcy, and she comes along as well. Aw, I love little dachshunds. They're dachshunds. so cute. Dachshunds. So Sunday morning, the hills take off, and they have a really nice honeymoon. They spend time in Vermont, Niagara Falls. They visit a thousand islands, and they get to see Toronto. And here's a little photo. Oh, she's petting like a, a horse or yep. a donkey or something. A horsey, yeah. Then Tuesday, September 19th. Okay. This is the big day. While in Montreal, they get lost, even though they were thinking of staying the night. But soon, they hear on the radio that a tropical storm is making its way to the East Coast. And Betty and Barney figure they should just leave back for home to buckle down for the storm. It's getting really late, and they figure they'll just drive into the evening hours as the night was still clear. So it wasn't raining yet. Everything was pretty chill right so let's see how far we can go yeah. until the rain comes and we'll stop somewhere maybe yeah yeah but they're gonna try to try to rush past that so they can get okay home. it's about 10 30 p.m u.s route three supposedly it's just a really quiet time on the highway like there's not many people out i think they're like alone most of the time 10 30 at night on a tuesday yeah 1961 yeah okay makes sense so they're making their way through Lancaster, New Hampshire, when suddenly Betty looks up and sees something, something mm. sort of odd. Mm. She tells Barney she sees a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter. So she does clearly see that planet. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of moves upwards towards the moon. At first, she thinks it's a falling star, but she's confused because it moves upward. Oh, yeah. See, falling stars nope. usually it goes down. Fall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then it became bigger and brighter. Oh. It's so mesmerizing that she makes Barney pull over at a picnic area to observe it. And at this point, they're south of Twin Mountain. They get out of their car. Barney takes Delcy for a walk. And Betty takes out their binoculars to follow the object. She later reported, it changed direction and passed in front of the moon. 
I was puzzled for this satellite was flashing multicolored lights that cast several beams like a police cruiser. To the, huh, yeah. to the okay. naked eye, Barney looked up and thought it was just a satellite and scoffed at Betty's idea that it might be a flying saucer. Uh-huh. It sounds a lot like what they saw in England with the different colored lights. Mm, right. Right. Mm-hmm. The military base in England. What was that? Rendlesham. Yes. Rendlesham. Yeah. Yeah. Looks, sounds exactly like that. Exactly. It does. Yeah. When Betty gave him the binoculars for viewing, he changed his mind to a commercial airliner that was traveling toward Vermont, most likely with the final destination of Montreal. Yet, as he was watching, he quickly changed his mind because suddenly (laughs) and mysteriously, the craft rapidly descended in Barney's direction. Oh, no. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. It spooks Barney a little. Oh, my goodness. Who hurried them back into the car and they continued on the dirt isolated road because they were just so fascinated by the object that they followed it. Oh, wow. This this object, though, is coming at them even closer. (gasps) And at one point, it passes above a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Road. The object wasn't making any noise. In fact, it was very quiet. When the flying object came out near the old man of the mountain, which looks like that. Oh, that's crazy. They have a lot of crazy (laughs) landmarks. I'm showing you a picture. Okay. It looks like an old man's face in in the side of the The mountain. Oh, that's crazy. That reminds me of of, uh, Frozen 2. Oh, the 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 giant. Yeah, the giants. Yeah. So it it cut near that mountain and Betty relayed that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long. (gasps) The object also seemed to be rotating. It was moving erratically and bouncing around. They are now back on U.S. Route 3. And remember, it's the middle of the night and no one else is on the highway. Right. Okay. They're driving slowly to keep an eye on the object of the sky. And once they reach another geologic landmark, it's called Indian Head. And I didn't put a picture in here, but it looks just like a head of an Indian. Okay. The object then descended over their vehicle, forcing them to stop because they cannot see in front of them. Oh, wow. Barney stops the car in the middle of the highway and quite shaken decides to take out his binoculars and gun just in case and gets out of the car. Barney walks roughly 100 feet into a field next to the highway. The flying object is now only 100 feet above their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air and 300 feet away. And it, quote unquote, filled the entire field of view in the windshield. Wow. Barney claimed it reminded him of a huge pancake. <laughs> just a big flat That's thing, cool, right? yeah. When he viewed the object with the binoculars, he could make out 8 to 11 beings lining these large rectangular windows as they observed his approach. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Oh, no! Yeah. So just real quick, note some of these details that I'm putting in here, which I'm going to talk about a lot more later. Uh-huh. He, uh, he was under hypnosis when he discussed some of this. So I just want to give you some details. Okay. And then so, okay. Back. When you're under hypnosis, your, your clarity is you're, a lot more. Yeah. Better. You're more yeah. clear. Yeah. Your clarity your is a lot clear. more better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's oh, redundant. We, we talk have, really well. We're great. Words. <laughs> Words. Words. Okay. So Barney described one of the beings that stood out from the others and looked like a military pilot. 
Ooh, okay. Barney is quoted. I looked at him and he looked at me. What did he look like, Barney? I'll tell you soon. Okay. <laughs> the other figures around the pilot moved in unison towards a rear wall panel that encircled the front portion of the craft, but the pilot or leader was what Barney fixated on. The creatures were described as humanoids who wore shiny black uniforms and black caps. They were hairless and gray in color with eyes that wrapped around their head. The leader was supposedly distinct from the other figures. This leader then communicated to Barney telepathically, stay where you are and keep looking. What? <laughs> then red lights on the craft's batwing-like fins began to telescope out of the sides and a long structure descended from the bottom. This really frightened Barney. Oh my gosh, yes. He ran back to the car, flung himself in and yelled to Betty that the beings of the flying object wanted to capture them. But, but that's not what the, the guy said to him telepathically. He just said, stay where you are. And keep looking. Why? And keep looking. Well, I don't if know. You stay where you are. They can capture you easier. But, oh, okay. Okay. He asked Betty. <laughs> His IQ is probably higher than mine. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he has, he's sensing this. Yeah. Okay. okay. He asked Betty to keep an eye on the flying object and Barney punched the accelerator and took off down the highway. Okay. Betty rolled down her window to continue watching the flying object. And even though they're booking it, the craft is keeping pace and soon over the car. Oh, no. Abruptly, the series of rhythmic pulsing, beeping and buzzing sounds emits all around them and in their car. <gasps> the sounds penetrate their bodies soon. Oh, yes. OK. I Yeah. When it's like when you get close to a speaker and yes, the sound, your body exactly. starts sweating like it. that. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, this is ooh, a drawing. Ooh, ooh. Okay. That they yeah. did. Okay. Interesting. So this ooh. is a drawing. I'm okay. Show Angela a okay. drawing of the, the flying saucer. Yeah. So Betty drew this. <laughs> and so this is how it looked. And then when those red lights popped out, that's what it looked like. Like it had bat wings. Exactly. Wow. So this is so interesting, Nicole. This I is so know. cool. <laughs> so Why much, did I not know any of this? I'm saying. I, I thought you know. would. It's crazy. Uh, this is where both Betty and Barney claim to have lost consciousness because oh no. as soon as they came around, Barney was still driving the car. Betty is in the passenger side and they were only roughly 35 miles from where they remember being. They pull up to their home in Portsmouth around 530 a.m. If they were driving from where the point they passed out, they should have reached their home hours ago. So what happened to the <gasps> missing time? No. Oh, no. They were both exhausted and really confused as they entered their home. So they lay down and slept for a few hours. Once they woke up, Betty noticed some strange things about her blue dress she was wearing from the night before. She had only worn this dress twice, but the zipper was broken. The lining was torn at the hem and there was a pink powdery substance and discoloration all over. Oh, my gosh. Betty decided to first hang her dress on her outside clothesline where the pink powder blew away and seeing all the damage, she just decided I'm going to throw it away. Then she changed her mind, retrieved the dress and hung it in her closet. We're going to come back to the dress. Okay. okay. <laughs> I got chills. This is crazy. Right. Nicole. For Barney, the straps to his binoculars were broken and his shoes that were kept in excellent condition had scrapes that he couldn't explain. Both of their watches had stopped. <gasps> 
They couldn't recollect how all of these changes to their clothing, clothing and personal affects had appeared. Mm-hmm. Also, both Be- Betty and Barney had some very strange behaviors and impulses that they couldn't really explain. For example, Betty would insist on keeping their luggage near the back door rather than the main part of the house. Barney was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, yet found nothing out of the ordinary. They both agreed something happened and both decided to take a shower to remove possible contamination and also drew their own pictures of what they had observed. Both agreed that after they heard the buzzing sounds, they couldn't recall anything and figured their memories were both incomplete. So at first, Barney told Betty not to tell anyone what happened. Yeah, because they don't want to seem crazy. crazy. It's they're very logical, very intellectual people. Yes, and this makes no sense. Yes, it's so far out of the norm. Yeah, yeah, they have no reference for this. But but Betty's strong-willed. Yes. She ignored him. <laughs> she did speak to close friends and relatives. Well, she's a social worker. Exactly. She's a social person. She wants to talk. She to needs people. to be able to talk and yeah. get it out. Yeah. And she needs to figure out what's going on. Yeah. That makes so much sense mm-hmm. to me. Betty was very worried about radioactivity or contamination. Yeah. So she ends up calling her mother and asks her to call their neighbor, who they knew was a physicist, to see what to do. He told Betty through the grapevine to take a compass and bring it outside to the car to see how the needle reacts. Mm -hmm. This advice would lead all of us to believe that he knew something about UFOs since the compass would measure magnetism, not radiation. That yes. The physicist is onto something. Okay. Okay. So reluctantly Barney went outside to check the car and what he noticed on the trunk were these silver dollar sized shiny circles. They were the same color of the car, just Mm -hmm. shiny. Huh. And it wasn't just a couple. There were close to over a dozen, maybe almost 20 of them, randomly scattered. Weird. Barney took out the compass, placed them over the circles, and immediately the needle spun around quickly and erratically. (laughs) But when Barney moved the compass away from the circles, the needle would just fall and remain steady. Oh my gosh, no. That's crazy. At one point, Betty's niece, sister, and mother visited and looked at the shiny spots. The niece even tried to like, she was trying to touch them, rub them off, but they wouldn't move. And they're like, no, don't do that. Don't touch it, yeah. They immediately believed their story once they saw these circles. Well, yeah. Explain them. Yeah. A few days later, they decided to report their incident to the U.S. Air Force. The closest Air Force base was Pease Air Force Base. And they also told Walter Webb, a member of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP, and he was also an astronomer. Mm -hmm. The Air Force did report their story to Project Blue Book, but alas, Aha. that's all they did. Oh, they no further wanna... investigation. They're like, okay, here's another UFO story for you, Blue Book. Yeah, but they didn't want to, they just didn't really believe them. They kind of <sighs> were like, oh, we'll report it, but sorry. However, though, this other source did say that at 2.14 a.m., a radar on Pease Air Force Base did track an unidentified craft, which is when Betty believes the UFO had left. But again, this was kind of just like, Covered up. Oh, so frustrating, yep. Nicole. So frustrating. Ten days after the traumatic experience, Betty began to have vivid nightmares. 
for five nights consecutively. Oh man, Betty, she's like reliving everything that happened. Exactly. These dreams were extremely intense and very detailed that she couldn't stop thinking of them during her waking hours. She confided with Barney and he was very sympathetic, but at the same time sort of brushed them off as just bad dreams. Barney's like, eh. Betty also shared her dreams with her best friend, and she encouraged Betty to record her dreams by writing them out. I think Bar- I don't. I'm not sure if Barney was so like, meh, okay, bad dream. No, I think no, no. he was just like, this is what I need to do to compartmentalize what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's oh no, just he- a dream. It's yeah. Barney and Betty are very different. Yeah, Betty is like trying to figure this. She's out. trying to process Barney's everything, trying and Barney's to block like, it. "Let's shove it down." Yes, and that's <laughs> yes. kind of a typical, stereotypical, I think, male female versus yeah. female. Yeah, how Fem- they do. That. Women need to like talk it out, yes. and process, and work through it, and men are just like, nope. "No, it never happened." We just, you know, yeah, sweep it under the rug. Exactly. And, yeah. Details that included the capture and experience on the craft, as well as the examination, were in her dreams. Oh wow! She also recounted that in one dream Barney and her were driving when they encountered a roadblock and men surrounded their car she lost consciousness but fought to regain it and when she did she realized she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest at night she was able to turn and see Barney walking beside her she called out to him but he seemed to be in a trance-like state she described the men as standing about five feet to five feet, four inches tall. That's my height. Yay. Wearing <laughs> matching blue uniforms and caps similar to those worn by military cadets. She thought they were nearly human, had black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses and bluish lips, but their skin was a grayish color. Betty and Barney were taken to their car where the leader suggested they sit and wait to watch the craft's departure. They did wait, and then once it was gone, resumed their drive home. Okay, so real quick, the description you just gave me of what the 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 creatures, the creatures yeah, are, they they look like yeah. they they reminded me of Galaxy Quest. Mm. What are who, what are they called? I forgot, but I love that movie. I love Galaxy Quest. Oh, those the, are so the, fun. The Thermidians or whatever. I yeah. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Tim Allen called them the Thermidors. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh. But that's not what they were. That's not what they are. He just couldn't. He couldn't say what they were. He, he called them Thermidors. Calling, okay. Or therm, therm, Thermaphrodites or something. I don't know. But oh, oh my gosh. That's a fun movie. I love Galaxy that's Quest. That's a really good movie. That is so good. It's so fun. But, but I, yeah, that's that's what they. That's funny. That, but that's the description because they, they have black hair and uh-huh. they have kind of like grayish skin That's and right. bluish lips. Well, Galaxy Quest probably got a little bit. They from this, probably so. got that from a lot of just current UFO like uh, media, TV, movies, books, things. You're going to I'll talk about it some more, but it's really a lot based on this one encounter. Oh, wow. Yes. So this I think this is where Galaxy Quest there you go. designed their aliens. Probably. Yeah. Oh, but what? just a just a quick note when she and I'll totally talk about this, too, is that her dreams are not 100 percent accurate. And you're going to see that soon. But it's very close. Well, it makes sense because in your dreams, you're trying to reconcile the information that was taken exactly in for the day, and then you're trying to fill and in your, blanks, you f- and your yeah. brain will fill in blanks yeah. and make things exactly different. Yeah. All right. Walter Webb was compelled to meet the Hills. Remember, he's a member of NICAP. Yes. And he interviewed them on October twenty first, nineteen sixty one. So roughly, yeah, about like a about month. month later. Yeah. For six hours, the Hills relayed everything they could recall of their encounter. 
Apparently, Barney developed a mental block, possibly because there were parts of his encounter that he did not want to remember. Yes. But definitely gave details of what the craft looked like and that the figures on the craft were somehow not human. Webb concluded that the Hills were telling the truth and that probably almost everything was accurate, except for maybe exact details like time, sizes, distances, etc. that are always hard to recount due to human error. Right. That so he sense. believed him. Oh, believed him. good. Yeah. Yay. They finally have somebody that's like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Let's, let's look at Prominent people of this community really accurate details of and and they're they're being as honest as they can mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like they're trying to make up a story to get attention right. remember they didn't even want to tell anybody at first right so. yeah well soon after nightcap members cd jackson and robert e holman interviewed the hills again when betty and barney mentioned the missing hours upon their return to their portsmouth home they brought up the concept of missing time since the trip should have taken four hours but were actually was actually a seven hour trip, roughly. And wow, then three hours. Yeah. So for those that do oh. not know the missing time theory, I'm just going to go into it. This is actually a common reoccurrence for those who claim to have been abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Okay? The abductees are eventually returned to where they were abducted and all memories of the abduction tend to disappear. And so does the time. Like Flight of the Navigator, but he was gone for like eight years. That's right. Oh, <laughs> that poor kid. I, I love Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. My husband and I watch that. We love it's that. It's so good. They also suggested hypnosis in order to fill in the blank memories they couldn't recall. Even though Barney was hesitant, he agreed it may help both of them, especially Betty, since she had those intense dreams. So before seeking outside help, Betty and Barney decided to continuously visit the White Mountains where the experience happened to see if it would refresh their memories. Mm -hmm. They went on multiple trips, but with no success. Then about a year and a half later, Barney and Betty broke their silence and gave details about their abduction during a meeting at their church. Oh, okay. Then later that year, Air Force Captain Ben H. Sweat gave a presentation to their church about hypnosis. Afterwards, the Hill approached Sweat and asked if he could perform hypnosis to gain their lost memories, but he thought he was too amateur for what they needed. Hmm. Barney then went to a psychiatrist where he mentioned he had a troubling ulcer. He's been so stressed. Oh, Barney. And brought up the UFO encounter. His psychiatrist linked the experience with his ulcer. So he recommended Dr. Benjamin Simon in Boston, an expert in therapeutic hypnosis. He was the top of this at this point because this is all brand new back then. Right. Yeah. They all met for the first time in December. And of course, Dr. Simon was very skeptical at first, to say the least. Uh huh. So the first half of 1964, so like six months, roughly. Right. Dr. Simon put the Hills under hypnosis multiple times, but in separate sessions in order to make sure they weren't feeding each other and to make sure their individual stories would remain distinct. After every session, Dr. Simon made sure to reinstate amnesia, which shocked Dr. Simon. Both Barney and Betty displayed frightening memories of their alleged encounters, both describing in detail what happened during their examinations on the alien craft and their eventual release. He was able to help Betty realize her dreams were a little different than the actual events that occurred relayed under hypnosis. 
but they both shared very similar details of the abduction and both were under extreme emotional distress. Oh, wow. Is that them under hypnosis? Yeah. There? So this yeah. one is just them kind of demonstrating from together because, <laughs> right, most of those sessions were alone. Okay. Yeah. Barney's experience on September 19th, 1961 seemed much more stressful than Betty's. Uh-oh. At first, he begged Dr. Simon under hypnosis not to recall the memories, oh. but he broke through that mental block. Oh my gosh, Barney. Barney, yeah. Barney recalled that his binocular strap broke while running back to the car when he realized what the aliens were planning to do. While trying to drive away from the aliens, he felt an irresistible urge to pull off the road and drive into the woods. When he did this, he noticed a large ball of light to the side of him, and he saw six men standing in the dirt road. Oh, wow. Okay. The car apparently stalled, and three of the men approached the car. Oh. They tried to calm Barney down and told him not to fear them, but this didn't help. <laughs> do not no, fear me. Do not me. fear. <laughs> oh, gosh. Then the leader told Barney to close his eyes. And while under hypnosis, Barney stated, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. And all I see are these eyes. I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes. So there's eye, other eyeballs that it's are pressing up against feels. his eyes. Yeah, when he when he closed his eyes, that's how he felt. That there's just eyeballs on oh, his yep. eyes. Oh, that's so weird, man. Yep. <laughs> While his eyes were closed, the beings carried Barney through the woods, holding onto him on either side. And he believed he felt going up a slight incline. And at that point, Barney was afraid to open his eyes. Uh-oh. Barney mentions that the beings were speaking in a language that he did not understand. But when they tried to communicate with him, it was more of, of quote unquote, thought transference. Barney was unfamiliar with the word telepathy. Oh, wow. Barney is told to remove his clothes. And both Barney and Betty were asked to climb up on a metal table on separate rooms. But they were so short that Barney's legs hung over the side. Barney was so afraid and thought that if he kept quiet, he wouldn't be harmed. Barney felt them examining his spine and taking skin samples and even collecting sperm. Like they felt oh, something, but yeah, wow. he just felt that collection. Wow. He doesn't mention the exam as ever being painful, though. For Betty under hypnosis, uh -huh. she gives vivid details of the evening of September 19th, 1961. Barney turned a sharp corner and immediately saw men in the road as well as a big, bright, glowing orb in the woods. Betty's confused, asking Barney what's happening, and Barney responds, it's them. <laughs> Betty is extremely frightened at this point, bolts from the car and tries to escape, but is caught immediately by the aliens. She then remembers being escorted onto the aircraft. On board, the aliens are trying to communicate to her that she has nothing to fear. They want to do a few tests and then send them back out. But Betty doesn't trust them. She attempts to kick one of the aliens holding <laughs> her, causing the hem of her dress to rip. Oh, Betty! But okay. they immediately regain control of her, and they take her to what looks like an examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling. 
They took Barney, as I mentioned earlier, into a separate examination room. Mm -hmm. Once she gets in, there is a being Betty calls the examiner and asks her to take off her dress because they try to do it. They didn't know how to. But and they help her as she explains that there's a zipper in the back of her dress. And then she takes off her and shoes. And the zipper was broken, right? Yes. Because oh, they were trying to they do were it. They were trying to do it. Know. They didn't know how. Then they start examining her spine as well while she's laying on her stomach. They mm -hmm. take skin samples and then they roll her onto her back. And this is where it gets even more frightening for Betty. Oh, Betty. The examiner whips out this huge, long needle. <gasps> Betty starts freaking out and is uh -huh. yelling at them to don't do it. It's going to hurt. Do not use it. What is this for? She's yelling at them. They claim it's just a pregnancy test and it won't hurt. But once they stick it into her belly button, oh. she feels intense pain oh, and Betty. starts screaming and yelling that it hurts. But the leader who's watching in the side comes over, comes to her side, waves his hand over her eyes and tells her she will be all right and she won't feel it. And sure enough, Betty claims all the pain went away. Wow. That's crazy, Nicole. I know. <gasps> she said she was still sore where the needle entered her body, but she was so confused why they needed to do that. Through her belly button? Through her belly button. That's, oh, yeah. this is, oh my gosh, this is like so, I have so many questions right? going through my brain right now. Keep going. This is awe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so excited. When they finished examining Betty, the aliens rushed into her examination room, seemingly excited. <gasps> they showed Betty Barney's teeth, awestruck. What? So, wait, what? What? Supposedly, Betty laughed and explained to the beings that Barney had dentures because oh. humans aged, and the beings struggled to understand that. Oh. So they removed his dentures, <laughs> thinking that all his like teeth were removable, and they thought it was such a cool thing. That's so. Yeah. That's such a weird detail to like have <laughs> pop up and like, oh, look at the teeth. Look at the teeth. <laughs> yep. But yeah, Barney All had dentures. That, that's crazy. This is so crazy, yep. Nicole. I know. I know. This is why I love this story. Oh, I love it. <laughs> at some point afterwards, Betty was left alone with the leader and she had asked where they had come from, where they'd flown. The leader joked with her, joked with her, oh. saying, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. What? <laughs> yeah. But the leader did show her a map because they don't know in the universe. They are obviously come from very far away. Right. And we're still we, don't even know our universe. Yeah, so yeah. that's okay. what he's joking about. Okay. The leader did show her a map where they had come from. And in one of Betty's later hypnosis sessions, she was able to draw the same star map. Oh, that's cool. At some point, Betty and the examiner were talking and they agreed to give her a book to bring to Earth with her. But then the other crew members vetoed that decision. Aw, man. Yeah. Overall, Betty's interaction with the beings seemed to be more cordial and friendly. And Barney was more stressed and fearful. Ugh, Barney's a little stress monkey. Yeah, he, he didn't want to like. Didn't, no, he didn't. He didn't want to make it. OK, it makes total sense because yes. Betty is a social worker. Yes. She makes connections with people. And yep. she makes So she's trying to find a way to make a connection. And they talk to her and she people. talks to them. Yeah. And okay. he didn't want to talk. He wanted to keep his eyes closed. He wanted to keep it. He, he wanted to shut down like this is not happening mm -hmm. and I'm going to forget all of this yeah. the second after it happened. Exactly. 
Wow. Okay. So I just keep going. Okay. It's like, I'm, I'm like, keep formulating those thoughts. Cause, cause the aliens don't seem like they're out to harm anybody. They're, they want to examine. Doing, and, I think, and, and there's a lot of, um, when I was doing the research, a lot of theories was that being an interracial couple, they were actually more intrigued by them than anything else. That one was black and one was white. Yeah. So maybe they were thinking that human beings are, might be different species because right. we're different colored. colored and Who knows? I don't know. Ooh. Who knows? That's but they, an interesting theory. They seem in, very intellectual, so I don't know. Well, Barney recalls being guided out of the craft with his eyes shut until he reached the car. When he slide when he slides in, he can see Betty being escorted back as well. He recalls it wasn't that bad, and he had nothing really to fear. He claims he saw a bright moon, but refers to the spacecraft. Then he laughs and say, and says, "Well, there it goes." <laughs> as they drive off yep. <laughs> Betty giggles and asks Barney do you believe in flying saucers now to which Barney responds oh Betty don't be ridiculous <laughs> what what <laughs> what <laughs> he recalls all of that <laughs> that's so weird yep. man <laughs> after the concluded after they concluded their hypnosis sessions dr simon concluded that all of barney's recollections were due to betty's dreams from 1961 and was able to feel real to him he didn't doubt what they felt and didn't think they were lying at all but that it was more of a quote-unquote psychological condition what a jerk dude Betty was frustrated because she completely disagreed and thought the hypnosis sessions actually validated the dreams that followed the incident. Yeah. I, I don't like the hypnosis doctor. I mean, he, I would have been, I would have believed them after all of that in separate well, sessions. And they had, like, she had evidence. She had the dress. Yes. Like, and I don't know if all of the pink stuff was off the dress. Did they ever figure out what, we're going back to I'm, the dress? I'll go back to it eventually. Okay. All right. Barney <laughs> was sort of on the fence about everything, but he eventually came around to believing the hypnosis did help to recall actual events that happened, but he didn't care to admit it like Betty did. Right. Betty's like, yes, total validation. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I know, like, oh, everything's okay. pieced together. And Barney's yeah. like, nah. sure. Maybe my ulcer will go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even though Dr. Simon and the Hills did not agree, the hypnosis sessions did ease them from their longstanding anxiety from the initial encounter in 1961. They kept to themselves and wanted to go back to their normal lives. Yeah. Barney had many speaking engagements for the massive civil rights movement and both started their busy routines again. However, that was difficult to do. August 1965, apparently, a friend of Betty's sought out John Luttrell, and he was a writer for the Boston Traveler. It's a newspaper, big newspaper. Right. Uh -huh. Told him everything she knew about Betty and Barney's UFO sighting and hypnosis uh, sessions. Was this chick trying to, like, get some money? Probably. She's like, cash grab? Yeah. Ugh. What do you mean? Then Luttrell contacted the Hills and asked to interview them, but they were mortified he already knew and refused to meet with him. Well, yeah. They pleaded with him not to run anything about them in the paper, 
but alas, they were ignored. I would be so pissed at my friend if they did that. Right? I'd be like, no, don't you're not that. my friend. That's when you're not... telling things that I don't want spread about. I told that in confidentiality. Yeah, that's you know? my story mm-hmm. to tell. That's my story to get out. Okay, I have some weird stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know. This has nothing to do with it, but like I've had experiences because, all right, so I, I've I've lived in very different lives. You know, I've had many lives at, uh-huh. up to this point. And so one of the, my, one of my past lives, I worked in Malibu. That's right. And I worked at a pet store in Malibu. I worked mm-hmm. at an animal hospital in Malibu. Yes. And there were celebrities all the time. And then I actually worked for a celebrity as a dog walker. Yes. For a time. Yes. And... I also hung out with some of these people as well. Nice. (laughs) Okay. I can't tell you how many times, and this is like pre-TMZ, so I think TMZ was just maybe starting, but it was just other tabloids. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times people from tabloids would come in. they contact you? And yeah, they come into uh, the stores or wherever I was ew. working and be like, do celebrities come in here? And I'd have to say, I, you know, they're everywhere in Malibu. So sometimes, you know, they come in and right. then they'd be like, can you contact me when they come in? I'm like, no. no. And then a lot of times they, paparazzi would show up. I remember one time Pam Anderson oh, hey. came in to the pet store mm-hmm. and we just rushed her to a room in the back because all these like, People for following. photographers oh, are following her. Gosh. But yeah, I mean, that happens. And then one of the stories that I wanted to kind of share, I was hanging out with some people who I will not name, but I was hanging out with some people that were known yeah. and there was some celebrity, you know, following and stuff. And one of their friends like sold them out oh, no. on something. And as soon as that happened and as well, soon as like up. the story started to break. Yeah. He was like gone. He was living with them in this house. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. So that's why he knew all this inside stuff. Don't bite the the hand that feeds you. Right? Yeah. That's messed up. He's a celebrity now too. Oh, no. (laughs) His initials are SP. Okay. And this was, you know, back in the early 2000s. Okay. We'll just put it out there. I know. You're like, I don't know. know. (laughs) I don't know. He was was a pretty shady character. He was a shady character on TV too. But like he would sell stories that's messed to up the tabloids oh, about his friends terrible. and it sucked yeah that's it was not so cool. sad stupid people yeah trying to get famous be, for doing stupid things I yeah hate that. yeah yeah so it's this is up. that touches close to home yep. because like yep. i know people you know that, that. oh that sucks. terrible people man it's not worth it well october 25th 1965 the okay. boston traveler newspaper spread their story on the front page Ugh. titled UFO chiller, did they seize couple? Not only was it on the front page, it was a five-part series. Oh, my About their encounter, gosh. as well as their hypnosis sessions. Oh. Yes. <laughs> this really stressed the hills out. I bet. And apparently, Latrell was interviewed by a radio station days after the newspaper was published, and he argued that the Hills abduction story should be under consideration, but that there was a fine line between privacy and the public's right to know. Oh, BS. Right? He's just trying to get a big byline and become like famous and move up in the ranks. Yeah. He did want everyone to know that the Hills did not contact the Boston Traveler to tell their story and that it was quite the opposite. So at least he said that. That was nice. Okay. But but it doesn't matter because the story's out there. Exactly. And I'm sure it's some exaggerated version of what really happened to them. Exactly. Because they aren't 
give they aren't setting the record straight and he's got to sensationalize everything it's just bs it makes me so mad nicole i know (laughs) me too me too the hills were then thrust into the spotlight and everybody was fascinated with their story as they they were the first American couple that reported being abducted by aliens. Mm. The hills were not quite happy with the inaccuracies, just like you said, yep. in Latrell's reporting. And since the cat was out of the bag, they decided to sign a book deal with writer John G. Fuller to ensure their story was told correctly. Yeah. That's kind of the only way to go about exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, the in- sucks, the interrupted journey was published in 1966, and basically the Hills became rock stars in a way. <laughs> they were participating in speaking engagements, media appearances, and even Barney was on the show to tell the truth in December oh. 1966. <laughs> I saw a clip. It was pretty fun. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And of course, when you have anything that has to do with unknown and mysterious topics such as UFOs, you will have plenty of skeptics. Oh, of course. Most thought the Hills made up everything. The government obviously didn't help either. As I mentioned previously, the Air Force reported it to Project Blue Book and wiped their hands of them. Yep. Deny, deny, deny. And what did not help the Hills is the fact that no other witnesses came forward to seeing what they saw that September evening. Although... Boston writer Latrell did happen to interview roughly 12 to 14 people in the White Mountains who happened to claim seeing an unidentified flying object the same night. Yeah, because those people are like, oh, I don't want to suffer the fate of the hills. Nope. (laughs) I didn't see anything. Nope. Wasn't me. So he had their statements in a folder. And when he left the Boston Traveler, he gave that folder to his editor. And wouldn't you know, the file disappeared. Of course it did. But some claimed the stress of being an interracial couple, like I mentioned before, at the time of such social injustice bore so much stress on the hills that they thought they experienced an abduction. Oh, BS. Exactly. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Another <laughs> yeah, another theory that came later in 1990 was that Barney's memories under hypnosis may have been influenced by the television show The Outer Limits, specifically the episode The Bolero Shield, which supposedly was aired only two weeks before Barney's first hypnotic session. The episode was about an extraterrestrial with large eyes and even says... In all the universes, in all the unities beyond the universes, all who have eyes have eyes that speak. (laughs) But someone did inquire with Betty if they watched the show and she insisted she never heard of it. Uh, That makes sense to me. It doesn't seem like they would watch watch it and it doesn't seem like they would have time to watch it. Exactly. And it doesn't seem like if he had this experience, he would want to watch anything. No, I wouldn't want to watch it. He's Mr. Nope. Nothing happened. I'm shutting everything out. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't remember it. Yeah. The most compelling evidence, though, as I mentioned way earlier, was Betty's dress. Yes, the dress. She had it examined throughout the years since there were stains on it. Whenever it was examined, the results of the substance was and remains unidentified. Of course, because it's not of this world. The dress and all documentation (laughs) pertaining to their case was given to the University of New Hampshire's library archives. I really wanted to like 
check things out, but you can't. You have to go there. And so everything oh, is there. Oh, not though. online? No. Oh, everything is though so in cool. their archives. Okay. So when we do a road trip, we got to go to New Hampshire and I go to see the it. library. Yep. yep. Sadly, Barney's health deteriorated and he suffered a cerebral hemorrhage in February 1969 oh, and Barney. died shortly at the age of 46. Oh my gosh, yeah, Barney. very early. Betty was deeply saddened by Barney's passing, but she continued her quest to find more about their abduction and what's out there in the universe. She decided to look further into the star map that she could recall the being shared with her. August 1969, Betty met with Marjorie Fish, an Ohio school teacher, amateur astronomer, and member of Mensa. And they discussed the star map with her and that she had drawn the map in detail under post-hypnotic suggestion. Marjorie commented, Betty described the map as three-dimensional, like looking through a window. The stars were tinted and glowed. The map material was flat and thin, not a model, and there was no noticeable lenticular lines like one of our three-dimensional processes. And then in parentheses, it sounds very much like a reflective hologram. That she oh, was looking at. Oh, yeah. Cool, right? Very cool. So after trying to analyze the star map, she believes she found the system where the beings came from. Oh, cool. Zeta Reticuli. Oh. A faint pair of stars that are 220 trillion miles away. Wow. So Betty's drawing, and then this is where they kind of tried to figure out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were astonished by the similarities, but the data on some stars were not accurate enough to make any definitive conclusion. The magazine Astronomy published the findings in 1974, and notable people like Carl Sagan argued the map was just a random alignment of chance points. Chance points, yeah. Unfortunately, just prior to Marjorie's passing in 2013, she did determine that the binary stars within the pattern were too close together to support life and decided Zeta Reticuli was not where the beings had come from after all. Oh, man. So for a long time, this, this incident was called the Zeta, Zeta Reticuli. Reticuli incident. But now we kind of said, no, unfortunately, we don't think that's it. So we have no idea where they came from still. Okay. After many correspondences, research, etc., Betty retired in 1991 after becoming disenchanted with the UFO community. Mm -hmm. She told her niece, Kathleen Martin, that there were too many kooks <laughs> who knew too little about the UFO field. Yeah. They accept fantasy as if it were reality and distort information to fit their own purposes. Yeah. Later, she produced a memoir that, with the help of a friend and her niece, entitled A Common Sense Approach to UFOs. Aww. In 2004, Betty sadly died from lung cancer. Oh, Betty. Yeah, she smoked a lot. Yeah. Lastly, okay. The Hills Tale was made into a movie called The UFO Incident, aired in 1975, and starred James Earl Jones. Hey! Yeah. that's cool i, I tried it. it's I love James very Jones. very old school you'll see it yeah. on, it's on youtube so you is it okay it. Yeah. okay okay cool their story also provided material for both the x-files episode jose chung's from outer space and the alien themed nbc series dark skies both broadcasted in 1996 and netflix will be releasing a movie based on betty and barney hill called white mountains soon oh cool i have gonna, to watch yeah, it i'm gonna leave you with more drawings and a sculpture that they created oh that's so cool wow that's so cool so okay. that's betty and barney hill thank you for this story 
I love it. I absolutely, absolutely believe Betty and Barney Hill. Right? I do too. I mean, the way that they're going about their experience and how they're processing it. Like at first they were like, we can't talk to anybody about it because we don't know. We don't understand what happened. Yeah, they have missing time. And, and Betty's confused. like, I have to process it yes. this way. And Barney's mm-hmm. like, I have to process it this way, which are very normal reactions mm-hmm. and not wanting to talk about it or or broadcast it publicly right. until they had some answers. Yes. And the way they went about finding answers makes total sense. Like yeah, going and I under left hypnosis. Out. Yeah, and I left out. She actually, a few days after the incident, she even went to the library to start looking up UFO things without telling anybody. She just wanted right, to do some research right, on right. her own because she didn't know what to process. And it makes to... total sense. Yeah. And, and the way that they wanted to continue their lives. Yes. And, and just drop it after they figured it all out. Right. Yeah. But it they makes couldn't. so much sense. They couldn't because friends, man, friends, man. not friends. friends okay. Not friends. Moral of the story. If your friend tells you something in confidence, it is their job if they so choose to disclose that information to whoever they want. Exactly. It is not a juicy bit of gossip no. that you've been entrusted with that you get to go tell everybody. Especially a, a newspaper. Don't go selling out your friends, dudes. Yep. That's not cool. But in a way, it did kind of help because we wouldn't have known about this as much, I think. It wouldn't have been sensationalized. And So how many people out there do you think that are sitting on their own experiences that aren't telling anybody? Oh, many. Many. Because then- I, I, I can see that. Why would you want to be ridiculed yeah. by people who don't believe so and again and then you, how do you know if it was true or not because right. your memory is all messed up and you don't remember everything and this totally fits in with with my understanding of aliens mm-hmm. that the in all the stories that we've gone through they aren't trying to harm us no. they're just studying they're observing exactly. they're figuring out what it is that we're doing here yeah <laughs> yeah and what's you know? what's funny though even i didn't bring this up in the story but before this happened, before 1961, apparently our views of UFOs and aliens were friendly, that they would just come and visit. They were amongst us like they were just cool. But this yeah. one, they kind of brought to that light that they want to examine us and understand yeah, us. Yeah, but so I don't think they that didn't it hurt was, us. Yeah, I don't but, think it was unfriendly because as soon as they realized that, oh, Betty was in pain, they took the pain away from her. That's true. They could have left her alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, it was invasive Mm -hmm. the way that they wanted to study but they didn't harm them no nobody tried to eat them no (laughs) they tried to take they tried to examine them peacefully they did walk them on peacefully right no but still they had to interrupt their lives to do it they They had to interrupt their lives to do it yes that was unfortunate but it seems like well i don't know if they put amnesia on top of them so that they would forget if that was like a, a magic I don't know what else <laughs> right? to call it but it seems like they're very good with mind things if exactly. they were able well, to pain communicate part of the mind I yeah mean, it's if they were able to, to communicate um mm-hmm. through telepathy right it seems like they were able to like we're going to block this part mm-hmm. of uh, from your brain and so that's why they had that big time lapse right but they were able to yeah figure it all out through hypnosis Mm -hmm. and unlock that part of their brain exactly so it's not really magic they just have that they have keys parts of their brain yeah they have they have those parts of our brain that we probably have Mm because we don't know how to unlock all of our brains potential exactly so they're probably unlocked a lot of their brains potential and they're able to communicate Mm -hmm. in that way so that's really it's so fascinating but like i still 
think that even though this was a more invasive encounter, it's not harmful. It's not a harmful no. encounter. It was more curious yes. and science based. Exactly. They weren't trying to hurt anybody. No. They put them back. Yeah. You know, they, they're like, they took samples. We they, just want to see. They didn't rip off their clothes. They actually asked them to help take off their own clothes. Yeah. They were trying to. And then to... Once, once Betty engaged with them they they were happy to to talk to her and happy to engage with her and happy to like Mm -hmm. share i wish they would have given her the book though that would have put the nail in the coffin because we would have that would have solidified everything there you go but you know even then skeptics would be like oh you 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 made made it up yeah that's all on you yeah we know that's you know real and they get yeah and i'm like why and we had an actual, hi, Kate, I'm giving you another shout out. <laughs> we had another, we had a listener actually answer a question that I put out That's there right. at the last episode. I'm why, like, why, why people, refuse? people yep. refuse? Exactly. And she was so brilliant with the way that she brought it out. That's she true. talked about how, uh, I should pull religion. it out, religion. It's a big, big point of that is religion makes us think that we're the only beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't have anybody understand else there. that there. And yeah. it was really interesting because, like, I grew up in an area of Texas, and I think I talked about this before. But I grew up in an area where it's Texas; it's part <laughs> of the Bible Belt. There's, you know, people are very Christian there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was also NASA. I'm from Houston, yes. right? So yeah. a lot of my friends' parents are astronauts. Mm-hmm. They've been to space. You know, they explore the cosmos. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends' parents are engineers. My dad was a NASA engineer. You know, so space is like big there. So it's like, how do you reconcile that <laughs> yes. and religion at the same time? So it was a really interesting yeah, that is area to grow up, hodgepodge how, you, <laughs> how you reconcile science <laughs> and religion. religion at the same time. Sure, And it's like very compartmentalized. But the way that I think about it is I'm like, well, religion is what we used to explain things that we didn't understand. Uh-huh. And science helps us understand those things better but they can still very much coexist Mm -hmm. it's just science is like we have a question we're going to try to figure it out evidence yeah yeah we're going to figure it out through the scientific method and figure out you know what's going on here we're answering questions that we have where religion was like we don't understand how to do this so we're going to approach these through allegories and through you Mm -hmm. know stories to help us understand and and connect with things i don't think that they're separate camps i think they can absolutely commingle i think that religion though in a way also just is to help us as human beings get along (laughs) yes that's really what that i i feel like but i know a lot of people don't because they look at and they scrutinize but anyway yeah and you know too deep into that we don't want to get too deep into that (laughs) and i have a lot of issues with organized religions as well because uh, yes. because we are human and we're people and we interpret things same thing with the alien experience with mm-hmm. the hills people interpret things the way that they want to that makes oh, sense yes. to them and yep. so they take bits and pieces yep. and they misconstrued oh, everything yeah. no we can go way into that I don't yeah <laughs> that is way too serious for this podcast no back to aliens <laughs> But anyway, but Betty and Barney Hill, Betty and Barney Hill, these poor are people. national treasures yeah. and I love them. And I'm sorry that you had to suffer through so much ridicule, public ridicule yeah. and people like poking into your own personal private experience. Yeah. That should never have been brought to and light. And they wanted to be just honest and truthful with their encounter. And that's, they just wanted to tell what happened to them. Yeah. Well, I believe you. I believe that you were taken aboard a ship and yeah. examined and 
Barney, I'm sorry it caused you so much stress. Poor guy. And I'm sorry that you died so young. 46. 46 That's my old. age. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's so sad. Don't think about it. No. Uh, just, I think all that stress and all the, you know, uh, all those factors just kind of contributed to that. Poor yeah. Guy, so. so I'm so sorry, Barney. Yeah. I hope you're having peace where you're at and you are hanging out with the aliens. Yeah. You know, like everybody's buds now and, and we're all good. <laughs> but wow, what a story what a story i'm so glad i got to tell that one and that one again that's one of my favorites to to listen to there's so many podcasts and so many things out there i oh i told i didn't i don't think i told angel but just to get so much as i could into this i did a free subscription of discovery plus because we did an episode on (laughs) sweet tassie that's so cool (laughs) yeah it's like i gotta watch this because i want more details there and i didn't read the book i should have got the book but i didn't read their book i was i wanted to but i did read reviews that a lot of everything online right now has a lot already from the book so yeah i think we're okay i think i covered as much as i could if i missed anything if anybody else knows more details about betty and barney hill let me know let us know yeah you can email us at the ominous stitch at gmail.com you can also jump over to our little web page and see all the pictures and all the notes of everything that we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. It's on podbean.com and look up the Ominous Stitch podcast. If you so choose, there's also a little button you can click to become a patron. Yay. We love our patrons. Yay. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, thank you, thank Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Kate. If you guys want to become a patron and maybe we'll make you a little tea bookmark like yeah, I made yeah. for a little so tea bag bookmark for Nicole. We would love to send you stuff. We want to connect with you guys. So get a hold of us either through our email, theomidastitch at gmail.com, or you can comment on any of the social medias. We're everywhere. We love engaging with you. We love talking to you. If you have any ideas for stories, if you want to share any cute craft or crochet or cross stitch, cross stitch, anything that you guys are knitting. I'm not good with knitting, knitting, but yeah, neither of us knit, but (laughs) I love the way things look when they're knit. Exactly. You know, we want to see what you guys are doing. We want to connect with our community. So this was another amazing episode. So much fun. But we have one more thing that we need to talk about. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's movie movie time. time. This week's movie review. Nope. Nope. Released in 2022. IMDb rating of 6.8 stars. Synopsis. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. If you have an Amazon Prime descript- uh, subscription, that's where Watch we saw it. it. Yep. Yeah. It's free on Prime right now. I have been waiting to see this movie because I didn't see it in the theater. I know Nicole did. It's like the second it came out, she I went had to, to see go it. see it. And I wanted to see it because, you know, you guys know we live in Southern California. This yes. was filmed basically in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not too far from where I live. Uh, there's a... There, a lot of filming happens there. There's a place called Vasquez Rocks, and they mm-hmm. shoot a lot of alien things here. And oh, that's in yes. Agua Dulce. Star Trek is the most well-known. Yes. I remember that. So that's Agua Dulce. That's where they film this. Yes. And I've been out to Vasquez Rocks. It's so much fun. Yes. It's I a really it. cool place but to they run don't, around. I don't think in the movie they show the Vasquez they Rocks. They didn't show the Vasquez no. Rocks. They show the exit to Agua Dulce. Yes. And that was it. And that like was it. the drive-in. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the gulch that they were in was so cool. I was yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. A so cool pretty. area, right? Yeah. So this movie Jordan Peele Jordan Peele slays again I love Jordan Peele's movies yes I loved Get Out Get Out's one of my favorites yes. I didn't watch Us 
I haven't seen that one either. I've heard so about it and it. I read the synopsis and I know what it's about, uh-huh. but I have not seen it. I haven't seen it yet. But Nope was, I mean, this is, and he even mentions it. Peel mentions that this was kind of right after COVID was finally, like we were able to start going yeah, out and exactly. seeing movies. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to go big, he said. Yeah. But this hit you weird, right? Because it was weird. The Gordy show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You kind of have to like, there's lots of different levels. This and is layers. A, it's an onion. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's lots of layers to this movie. Yes. And so, yeah, the it starts off with a scene and you're like, is this what? part of the movie? Yeah, What's is going this, on? Is this an alien movie? No, it's not. But it's then, nope. <laughs> nope. You figure it out later. But yes, it's, yeah. it's a monkey, a chimpanzee. A chimpanzee that goes in a wrong. TV show. And, and, you know, he was pushed too far. Yes. And he... Uh, Slaughters. Yeah. Yeah. He just causes havoc and chaos slaughters and, you know, yeah, not a good thing while the film, while the show is being filmed. So there's an audience yes. there. And yeah. And the main character, one of the main characters that that's a kid in the show himself, uh, Jupe, that's his character's name. He, you follow his character later on because he's still kind of piggybacking on his, his, you know, his famous life as a kid. Yeah. So and the now, way that, the way that that chimpanzee thing ties in is yeah. that he was in that show with the chimpanzee. Right. And the chimpanzee, after going on this rampage, he's hiding under a table. And this gets revealed later uh, on in the movie. The uh, chimpanzee finds him and you think he's going to rip the kid apart. But you know, the kid is fine because, you know, you're seeing him as an adult. All of this is just, you know, backstory. Mm-hmm. But the chimpanzee reaches under the table due to a fist bump, which was their whole That's, thing. They, they apparently fish, came up with fist. the... First exploding, exploding fist, fist bump, bump yeah. right? So then he, I think from that moment, he felt that he could tame anything. Yes. And so he's always chasing that. Yes. And he's still scarred, obviously, from that oh, whole experience. Oh, so emotionally scarred. Yeah. And the way he talks about that experience, he very so much jokingly, glorifies yeah. it. And it's like, dude, that was Yeah, trauma. he explains the whole SNL skit that they did based on uh, the, the fake SNL skit. Yeah. But man, it's intense because you can tell he's still scarred by it. But like, he, like Angela said, so spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. The alien, they make a show out of it in the Star Ranch. And yes. he thinks that he can tame it by feeding him horses every Friday yeah, he, night. He thinks he can tame a big alien, alien creature. Yeah. <laughs> Which this is predatory alien creature. <laughs> because he feels like he got lucky with Gordy. Yeah. So. He felt like he that he can understand wild creatures. Yeah, right. The flip side of this are the Haywoods. Yes. And so what's the actor's name? I love him. Daniel Kaluuya. 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 Yeah. I love him. Yes. He is so, I just love everything that he's in. Yes. Uh, He was in uh, Get Out. Mm -hmm. He was in an episode of Black Mirror. He Mm -hmm. was in Black Panther. Right. But he's a great actor. And Kiki Palmer, who I know, I keep hitting the couch. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Nicole. It's okay. And Kiki Palmer plays his sister. Yeah. And I like her name, Emerald. I like that name. I M- do. Emerald. I think that M. Um, that was cute. cute. Okay, Kiki Palmer. I love her. I love her energy. She. <laughs> I was telling Nicole. It takes me a while to like get on her frequency because the way her voice is pitched, it's it's really high when it's loud, and when she drops down into a lower octave it's harder for me to go from those two frequencies so it's hard for me to like understand her it takes me a little bit to like 
catch on to yeah. her levels and her frequencies. But I love her energy yes. and I think she's great. And she's great in this movie. Yes. I love she's great. the way she moves through this movie. Yep. I love the way she ends this movie. Yes. She's good. Kiki Palmer yep. is a freaking rock star. I, I love, love it. it. But Did you know that Gordy in the movie is actually an actor, but they follow his movements? Terry, Terry Notary. So he is Gordy. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he apparently was in like Planet of the Apes, and, and he so he's really good at getting into I, that the, animal it, characteristic. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I didn't that, know that. Well, I I was like, this is not a real. No, of course ape. not. Of course not. Yeah. I thought it could have been something else, but no, they did it. As, yeah, as that's so actor. cool. Yeah, that's they really put, cool. They put it over, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So Daniel Kaluuya, his father was owned. Oh, uh, hey, Woodward. yeah, Keith David, who I saw do a dramatic reading of uh, the Christmas Carol. Oh, it was did awesome. you? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. He's awesome. He's such a great actor yeah but he's but quickly in this yeah he's and, he's in and out quickly yeah but the haywoods have a very different approach because they're animal trainers yes. So like that's their whole thing so that mm. dichotomy between jupe and the mm, actual animal exactly, trainers yeah. and learning how to deal with this alien entity daniel they Kaluuya have very picked that up. different or approaches oj really oj <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny joke. Your name too. is OJ. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Otis Jr. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The dichotomy and him knowing how to handle. He puts it all together. Smart guy. Yeah. Very smart. Because he understands animals. Yes. He understands the psychology behind how to approach. Wild animals. Yeah. That have territorial issues. Right. <laughs> so, so that he was, you know, very smart about it. And, yes. And it was a cool movie yeah it was it's just a cool. different alien movie a different approach different approach to an alien movie and it's still creepy i mean there's some scenes that freaked me out when they're in their house in, in the middle of it and then it comes over the, the alien comes over their house and yeah. it just starts raining yeah 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 yeah, yeah and you yeah. hear the screams of people yeah oh, yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. It was so creepy yeah. i didn't like that no and in the way the alien like changes yeah you know towards the end i'm like i don't understand how this thing yeah that's what that's the only thing i don't like yeah (laughs) it turns into this being of it looks like like a balloon sheets yeah sheets and balloons and (laughs) stuff i don't know how it's not really scary yeah yeah it's interesting yeah like how i don't understand how you're a creature but you know whatever it we don't know no that's a cool different take on what a cool crazy predatorial alien is right but I did like who was it the the um, the guy that worked at Fry's? Oh yeah, the guy Angel. who played Angel. Angel. Yes, I love how he described how like what the the different types of alien UFO encounters are, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's yeah. I'm glad he put that in, and that the UAPs, which is true. Yes, yes, it's crazy. They're, yeah, they're not UFOs. No, nope. UAPs. UAPs changing it up. Like and that. I thought that at least they were still bringing in those concepts, even though this was more about as we were talking about, you know, exploiting and, and wild animals and wild creatures, right? I think that's more, yeah. more of his overlying that's, that's thing. That's what it is. Yeah. You can't tame a wild thing. I mean, yeah. there was that, um, oh, I wish I knew what the quote was, but they had that quote at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. The about, Bible verse. Yeah, yeah. About taming wild animals. So it's from the Old Testament. I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. Ah, see, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what Jupe is like trying to trying to do sensationalize yep. with with the with the alien. Exactly. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to to mention, I was talking to Angela. So even though Peel doesn't mention it, the whole Gordy situation, if you remember, in t- two thousand nine, there was a famous chip, an actual famous chip named Travis, that th- that this couple took in, 
after its mom was killed and they tried to treat it as a child and they dressed it up. They, you know, treated it as their own, like a human being, but it ended up mauling their friend, their longtime friend, Charlotte Nash. And mm-hmm. she, her injuries look exactly like Mary Jo's in the movie. And apparently she was on Oprah, the Oprah show wearing a very similar hat and veil to what Mary Jo was wearing. Oh, interesting. So you gotta say that it's a little nod there yeah, to exactly. that. Yeah. But it, that, I remember when that happened, that was like a scary. Yeah. yeah. Very sad. I mean, and, and again, you can't tame wild animals. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. They're always going to be unpredictable. Yeah. Cause they're wild. Cause they're wild. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. So how many stitches would you give this movie? So IMDb gave this what? 6.8. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I was telling Angela the first time I really didn't enjoy it as much. The second time I really did. So I think I'm going to give it a seven. A seven. Yeah. yeah. I had to, I had to watch it twice. Uh, <laughs> We're old. I can't, I can't stay awake and watch movies at night, people, especially like if I get comfortable on yeah. the couch and yeah. I'm snuggling the hubs, you know, you you're stop like, moving. Yeah. You're just like, Oh yeah, my day's done. You fall asleep. <laughs> so I definitely fell asleep during Nope. And, and the pacing of it is a little bit more calm and a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's not like thrilling. I mean, you have moments of where it's like, yes, thrilling action. Yes. But yeah, it's, I fell asleep. That's okay. But That's the okay. second time around, I got more out of it. And good. yeah, so. How many stitches It was would good. I would give it, I, I kind of agree with IMDb 6.8. Okay. It wasn't my favorite, but it was good. Like, yeah. and I think if I watch it again, I'll probably find more things that I like that's about what it. I, yeah. yeah, that's what happened to me. I was able to pick up way more at the beginning and start understanding everything. And it's kind of fun because, you know, anytime a lot of things are filmed in, in LA, but yes. like when they're filmed kind of close to where you live, Hell you say, yeah. oh, I know where that, I know that, is. that is. That fries. fries is in Burbank. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun seeing those again. So Yeah. That was good. So yeah. yeah, I would say that you definitely can't stitch to it because there's a lot of visual things. Yes, that you I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried. I started cross stitching, and I was like, "Oh, I can't look." Oh, oh. So I kept yeah. looking up, and I so said, "So no. my test for things being vis- for being able to stitch to is if there's a lot of dialogue, I don't have to see what's going on because I'm I you can, can hear, hear it. it. Yeah, that's true. And this one this, they don't. There's not a lot of dialogue, You're right? And it's visual. You have to see. True. You have to watch the horses run. You have to watch. You know what him, happens. Yeah, to them. him watching or looking through the cameras. Yeah, looking at the clouds. Yes. And, yeah. Oh. Oh, so good. Yeah. I like that part. Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie, though. I'm glad we got to review it for this theme. I'm glad I finally got to see it. Yay! <laughs> so, guys, go out and watch Nope on Amazon Prime. All right. So it looks like we've reached another end of an, another amazing, amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch podcast. This is so fun. This yes. is so great. I love talking about aliens. Yes. I love learning more about aliens and visitations that people have had. Um, I It's fascinating to me. Me too. And I can't wait to do more of those. Yeah, see, I'm going <laughs> to sprinkle them in as many as I can. Okay, well, I guess that's it for this week's episode. Yay. So until next time, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. Stitchers.